Welcome in, welcome in, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Ryan Bally, your host here. I'm joined tonight by the regulars, Ben Mandel and Dylan Mel. Corey Jason not with us tonight, but we look forward to having him back with us next week for the big group mock draft episode. We're going to take turns seeing how that first round of the NFL draft could shake out or just screwing each other over, preventing the players we want our teams to take from actually going there. But mock drafts are all in good fun anyway. That NFL draft, it's exciting time, just a little over a week away. All these questions will be answered. But for now, we still have some news to talk about as the NFL offseason never stops moving. First, a quick mention. In an interview with Yahoo Sports, Brock Purdy himself, this is a quote, says he's unsure if he's going to play at all in 2023. And Ben, that is a big agenda. You and Corey have both been pushing from Brock Purdy's UCL injury in the NFC Championship game. Some other reports are coming in and out that, oh, he didn't get the full surgery. So his timeline, maybe he's throwing in a couple months, but this is sort of what you've been saying all along. Yeah. And here's the thing with baseball players, it's typically a six to nine, sometimes even 12 month recovery for position players who, yes, still throw the baseball, but they're not putting as much strain on it like pitchers are throwing 100 pitches every time they get out there. Now, you look at a quarterback. This is someone who is throwing the football 40 to 50 times a game sometimes, and a football is a lot harder to throw than a baseball. It simply is. It's more pressure on your elbow. There's more torque and snap in your elbow. So, And that's where your UCL is. So I can't imagine that this would be a quick six-month recovery for Brock Purdy because of the amount of stress throwing a football puts on your elbow. You would think the ligament needs more time to recover. Now, He says, I'm unsure if I'm going to play this year. It sounds like still, if he had gotten that full surgery that the pitchers are getting, that's an 18-month recovery before they're fully back out on a mound and throwing. Now, I'm sure the rehab process for baseball pitchers is longer than it would be for football players, but still, I would think it has to be at least a year. And for Brock Purdy to say, oh, you know, it's still up in the air, he could be playing this season, then, yeah, you know, maybe there there is something different. I think that the 49ers may have gone in a different direction in terms of Jimmy G, maybe given him a one-year deal if they had known that Brock Purdy wasn't going to play this year. So I still think that maybe the 49ers think he'll play. But again, with Tommy John, I just don't see it. It is such a serious injury to a throwing elbow. And again, as soon as you saw that hit and the way uh, Reddick's arm came down on Brock Purdy's elbow, you just knew it's a torn UCL. You know that he's going to have a long recovery time. I just don't see him playing this year. And with that said, Ben, When do we start the Tom Brady coming out of retirement to the 49ers rumors? And we'll see if San Francisco makes any further moves at quarterback, but they have two former third overall picks. They drafted Trey Lance a couple years ago, and then Sam Darnold they signed this offseason. We're moving on to some other news here. Uh, Today, April 18th, the Steelers made a big trade with the Rams, acquiring Allen Robinson. And we make the joke about some of these trades being, you know, we had Jalen Ramsey for a bag of chips. I mean, this is like not even a bag of chips. This is a chip. This is a single Pringle. They swap seventh rounders and the Rams are still going to pay like $10 million compared to the Steelers paying $5 million for 
Allen Robinson's services, but do you guys like this move for either team? Yeah, I mean, I like it for both sides. It clearly wasn't working out with Allen Robinson and the Rams, and I'm not sure if they're going to blow it up there or what they're really going to do, but it clearly wasn't a good fit there. And if you're the Steelers, you bring in Allen Robinson. He's, you know, clearly going to be the third wide receiver on this team behind Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Um, And again, Kenny Pickett, you want to help him develop, get him another weapon, former Penn State wide receiver. I think it's a low risk, high reward move for Pittsburgh, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, how can you not like this move for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You're right, Ryan. They gave up absolutely nothing. $5 million, and I believe it's 17 spots in the seventh round for Allen Robinson. You didn't give up anything except money and a little bit of draft capital. And it's minimal at that. You still have the pick, so you're not losing a pick. You're just losing where that pick was and some money. In my mind, that's that's a home run. I don't care what you're getting back in return. If you're getting back a player who's going to be on the field, that's a win because you're using your assets to make your team better. Now, I understand where the Rams are at, and they just need to shed salary. But if you're going to be paying $10 million of Allen Robinson's salary, you're telling me there wasn't another team in the league that could give you at least a higher pick? Like, if you're sending back a seventh rounder as well, you're telling me you couldn't at least get a sixth or a fifth round pick from somebody else? I just find that hard to believe. I know Robinson has been a bit of a letdown, but come on. Yeah, Robinson definitely had his struggles these past couple of years. Dealt with some injuries, as did many uh, Los Angeles Rams players in 2022. And even going back to 2021 in Chicago, things weren't too good there for a player that was used to scoring a lot of touchdowns and putting up a lot of yards and looking like he could be the next big thing at the wide receiver position. But elsewhere in the league, this was a little bit later last week, this came out. Buda Baker requested a trade out of Arizona. The Cardinals are a team. They're picking third overall in the draft. To me, they're, they need to go into full-on rebuild mode, new GM, new coach, and all that. But a, a big destination spot for Buda Baker is the Eagles. So, Dylan, we're going to throw two headlines together here for you. The Eagles, they signed Jalen Hurts to this massive historic extension, five years, $255 million. Are they still going to have room to go and get Buda Baker and keep him locked up? Or is this another C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade waiting to happen, just a one- or two-year rental? Yeah, Ryan, uh, I'm disappointed in you making me wait this long to talk about Howie Roseman and Jalen Hurts, but I understand. Host's got a host. This Jalen Hurts deal is an excellent one for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. He becomes the highest paid player ever in terms of average per year. You know, he wanted the bag. He earned the bag. He got it. The five-year deal I like, especially because he's a mobile quarterback. If perhaps he loses the legs, you could reassess and see where you're at. I think it was very team-friendly of Jalen to take a five-year deal like that when we saw Mahomes get that 10-year deal. And... Howie Roseman is a genius. No shocker there. However, the way that the cap hits work on this deal was absolutely flawlessly done by Howie. The first year of this contract is when it hits mainly for the cap. It's $64 million, but then it's $38 million a season after that. And by that point, the salary cap, we know what it's going to be just higher and higher. And Jalen Hurts won't really hit against it, especially in those latter years of the contract. And Howie Roseman, very underrated, not being talked about enough, in my opinion. 
They set the market. You don't want to be the team in the quarterback contract market that hits it last because Joe Burrow is going to get a bigger contract than this. So is Justin Herbert. We know how it works with these players. They're always the highest paid player ever when they get the deal. I love how he's signing Jalen here. And to speak on the Buda Baker point, the Eagles just today restructured Jordan Maitai's contract to free up $7 million in cap space. They are clearly making moves and making room for something. Buda Baker was on a podcast today saying how much he loves Nick Sirianni. Clearly, he wants to be there. They need help in the secondary. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think that what Philadelphia and Howie Roseman are doing is learning from maybe some of the mistakes they made in 2017. And that is not killing themselves cap-wise with the Carson Wentz contract, not killing themselves cap-wise this time with Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah, big cap hit this year, but they can eat it. They'll be able to work things out and have money freed up to still retain the roster that they have. Their roster turnover from that Super Bowl team over the next two years was a ton. And while, yeah, some of those guys are still there, they have pretty much everyone coming back for this season this year and they have the money in the cap space moving forward to keep a lot of those pieces as well and the ones that they can't they have the young guys that they've drafted throughout that are itching to get on the field to come step in and make their contributions there hence letting miles sanders walk yeah and i just want to include that the first year of jalen's contract doesn't kick in this year but the year after they extended him before it came up so this year they still do have the free money to go get a buddha baker it's the roster the year after that would be the most concerning however i do believe there's the potential that jason kelsey will likely finally be off the books you know so you lose that there you could potentially lose brandon graham fletcher cox there could Lane be johnson as well yeah lane johnson as well there could be some money off the books when that first Big chunk of the 64 million hits for Jalen Hurts. And then after that, like we said, the 38 million starts hitting. That allows you to have the flexibility, in my opinion, to an extent, a Devonta Smith. And to see where we're at with some of these young defensive players like a Jordan Davis, like a Nicobe Dean, whose extensions will be right around the corner as well. I really like the future that Howie Roseman set up here. I think it was beautifully done. And I, it makes me happy to be an Eagles fan, and I know other Eagles fans relate to me there. Yep, Eagles got the big money quarterback. Maybe they're getting Buda Baker, and they have two first-round draft picks still to come next week. Speaking of this draft coming up, uh, we're going to go into our favorite defensive prospects. Last week, we took a look at some of our favorite offensive prospects, not including these quarterbacks. Plenty of discussion enough surrounding those guys. But tonight, we're going to take... Uh, a look at the other side of the ball, the defensive players. This is a great defensive uh, draft class, I think, especially here in the first round. So uh, we all have a couple corners to talk about here. Uh, great corner class, great deep corner class. This is really where I think one of the strengths of this draft is. So I just want to get things kicked off here, talking about Devin Witherspoon. He, to me, is the best corner in this class. He's the most pro ready to come in and make an immediate impact day one the only knock you can really have on him is his size 
six foot, only around 180 pounds. So he can get bullied by those more physical receivers. But other than that, he's fluid. He's tough. He has great ball skills. And to me, if he's not one of the first corners, first or second corner off the board, I'll be surprised, especially one of my favorite fits for him is in Detroit with that six overall pick. But Philly at 10, Dylan, could potentially be in play there. But who do you have, Dylan? Yeah, so I actually went double corner, uh, a little spoiler there. But the first one that I want to touch on is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. For those of you that don't know, Oregon is my favorite college. So I had a ton of, you know, looking into this guy, six foot one, 197. He's got the build that you like. He had the overall best combine score of a 92. And I, I like this guy, right? He has all the intangibles that you just can't teach in terms of the size, the build, the speed. Now, obviously, as it is with corners, when they transition to the NFL, they're one of those positions that takes a little bit longer. And I do think that Weatherspoon, Gonzalez, it could take a little while. Now, in recent years, we've seen guys like Pat Sertan and Sauce Gardner transition beautifully. So maybe this is a new age of corners that is really picking up the NFL speed right off the rip. I'm not so sure it happens with Gonzalez, right? He's a guy that has a little bit to learn when it comes to the instincts side of the ball. He's a little inconsistent at finding the best positioning. And it, he's not exactly a guy that's going to jump and anticipate routes. But his intangibles, his knowledge of the game, I think it creates a really, really good prospect. And I want to ask Ben here, because... The NFL comp that he has on NFL.com right now is Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Ben, what do you think of that comp? I mean, I I like it. Uh, the thing with DRC, though, was he used his length so well. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't really see players, especially, I didn't really see it in college from him, you know, using his length to his advantage the way DRC used to. This is a guy who played for both the Eagles and the Giants. So you know just as well as I do how well DRC used his length there. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that this is something that Gonzalez can learn over time and can be taught. I think getting him in the right situation, you know, I would love to see him on my Eagles at the 10th overall pick if we happen to go corner because it goes from my favorite college team to my favorite NFL team. But I think learning behind Darius Lane Bradbury would really help this kid's development. Yeah, that'll be a great landing spot for Christian Gonzalez there. Ben, what corner do you have to talk about? So I am going all on the dogs here. Loved watching them defensively, uh, and they've been one of the best defensive teams in the country for the last two years. And the guy who I'm going to talk about here first, the cornerback, Kaylee Ringo. This guy is an absolute animal, super fast, 4.3640. He won state titles in the 100 and 200 meter dashes. The guy's a track star, a top 10 national recruit, and first team USA All American in high school before going to Georgia. So, this is not a guy who's coming out of nowhere. His NFL comp is Jimmy Smith. He's a boundary corner. He's got a great, great, great amount of size and strength on the outside. He's very good and balanced in his backpedal. He's physical. 
His biggest downside is he's not very patient. He will sometimes jump, declare on routes early. He'll fall for a lot of double moves, and that could be a problem come the NFL. But this is a guy who has the physical ability and definitely can do it in the NFL. Yeah, Kaylee Ringo is a guy that I've seen linked to my Colts at the top of that second round. But in mock drafts in the past couple of days, I've been seeing Ringo's name moving up and sneaking into the back end of that first round. But I'm going to switch gears here and talk about not a corner and another guy expected to go in day two, and that's Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. And this guy, I'm very excited to see where he goes in the draft and to see his career unfold. He is just, he is a linebacker. I mean, he even has the name for it, like Jack Campbell. Like that's just an all pro, constantly pro bowl linebacker waiting to happen. He's a great build, 6'5", 240 plus. He's got great size, great strength. The one kind of weakness I could see is he might struggle with like longer, you know, as a pass play goes on, keeping up with coverage, but many defenders do. I think Aaron Rodgers just, you know, standing there for what seems like an eternity in the pocket. But plays like that, you worry. Man coverage, you worry. But just his size alone to disrupt passing lanes in the middle of the field and get opportunistic interceptions. I mean, any team really would benefit. But any of those teams, like, you know, the Eagles like to stay away from linebackers for some reason early. But I think that could be a great pick to close out the first round. Or some of these other teams, Detroit could use a big difference maker so maybe one of their earlier second round picks to pair with a corner that I had them taking earlier but Ben go ahead yeah so I want to talk about linebacker as well he's more of an edge defender and it's Nolan Smith another Georgia guy said I was going to talk about the dogs this is a hometown guy when he went to Georgia and Maybe not what you would expect out of a smaller edge defender but believe it or not this guy He's not a big-time pass rusher. Nolan Smith is an elite run defender, and he can set the edge. Pulling guards, pulling tackles, whoever's pulling to his side, good luck. He will blow it up. He has done it for the last few seasons with Georgia. He does have that lower weight class frame for uh, an edge defender, but he's super tough. He's able to mix it up with big players. And really, his biggest thing is his ability to set the edge and hold his spot. His technique and leverage are flawless and really, really, really attacks the point, uh, like the point of attack with a very, very strong edge and something you don't really see out of edge defenders. Most of the time, it's really all about pass rushing. Nolan Smith is the opposite. He works a little bit too hard on tackles, does not have the best pass rush counters uh, to uh, go ahead and attack the quarterback. But in terms of defending the run, I don't think there's a better guy on the edge in this draft. Go ahead, Dylan. You got one more corner to talk about for us. I know this was a guy that Corey liked a lot, too, in our meeting last week, kind of looking ahead. So do Corey proud for this one. Yeah, for sure. I definitely will, Ryan. I'm going to talk about Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State. This is another guy similar to Christian Gonzalez, who I love the intangibles. Six foot two, 193, got some real strength on the bench press in the combine. And of course, we know son of former Steeler star Joey Porter. So he's got that real just grit about him he knows how the nfl works i'm sure his father has prepared him for that 
But there are some concerns, and I'm going to hop into them first before we talk about really the strengths of this prospect. He is going to struggle when it comes to complex route running and really good route runners. His side-to-side and lateral quickness, it's going to lead to some penalties early. But if this guy can get in the right situation, he is going to be an impact player for a football team. The physicality that he plays with really helps smaller wide receivers have to reroute. He can even jump up with some of the better wide receivers when it comes to high point balls. Like I said, that's six, two and a half height, but only 193 pounds. If a team can get him in the right spot and really develop him, he has the intangibles to be, and I don't say this lightly, the best corner out of this draft. He has four, four speed. He's six, two, like I mentioned, this guy, it, it, he's going to be a problem for teams if they really are able to develop him. He has history of playing really solid wide receivers, too, coming out of Penn State. I mean, let's just talk about the Ohio State wide receivers he's had to guard. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison, Jackson Smith, Najiba. He is going to be prepared for what an NFL wide receiver is like. The complex route running is going to hurt him, especially if he's up against the likes of some of the better route runners in the NFL, like Keenan Allen. In his first year, you're going to see some mistakes. But I think that the right situation can really turn that around for him. And he's going to get picked in the back half of the first round. He's going to go to a Super Bowl contending team. It could be Philadelphia. You know, it could be a team like Buffalo where he learns behind a Tredavious White. If they can get the right mentorship for that, for this kid, I love it. I've seen Porter's name. You said back half of the first round. I've seen him, depending on how the, you know, where the earlier corners, like where they're spooning Gonzalez go, I've seen him sneaking up into the middle of the first round. And the selfish person i am i would love to see joey porter go to pittsburgh and continue on that family legacy there but that'll do it for today's show join us next week when we go through that first round mock draft all together rotating through each pick our big nfl draft preview episode next week make sure to follow us on instagram at outsider sports network on twitter at outsider sports 3 look us up on youtube spotify and tiktok by looking up outsider sports and thank you for listening to another episode of the outsider sports football podcast 